Hello, Chris Evans here, and welcome to the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up today, Hollywood's Brendan Fraser and Darren Aronofsky walk us through their unbelievably profound award-winning movie, The Whale. Awesome actress Amanda Abington explodes the funny on her new sitcom, The Family Pile, and rugby legend James Haskell spills the beans on his upcoming UK tour. Sex tries and videotapes, all of that and so much more to come. So Vassos, kick things off, please, and tell us who's up first. We were all blown away by our next guest's latest film. When it premiered at the Venice Film Festival, it received a six-minute standing ovation. Well, we gave it ten, and we watched it on a laptop in the kitchen. (laughs) The Whale hits UK cinemas on February the 3rd, so please welcome star and director Brendan Fraser and Darren Aronofsky. Good morning, gentle folk. How are you today? Good morning, Chris. Welcome, Brendan. Welcome, Darren. Thanks for having me. How are you? How's the ride? How's the wave, man? Come on, you first, Brendan. This is exciting. Um, More than we could have hoped for, to tell you the truth. All right, who is Charlie? He's a man who has been living alone for a certain amount of time, and he's suffering ill health from overconsumption, and he has certain regrets in his life. He wants to reconnect with his daughter in the little amount of time that he has left. Okay, it's a very intimate setting. Uh, there are very few sort of location uh, changes, if any whatsoever. It's all basically in his apartment. And now to say he's overweight is an understatement, isn't it? He is a large-bodied man. For yeah. sure. I mean, how how many pounds would you estimate he is? Well, on paper, it said 600. Right. But truthfully, it was never that important to me what a number was, yeah. given that the costume and wardrobe that I wore was designed to be cumbersome yeah. so that there was less affectation in what I would have to do to perform the part. But he's disablingly obese, isn't he? That's he, the he point. He has certain mobility issues. Yeah. He's yeah. not going to be leaving his apartment anytime soon. Yeah, okay. All right. And there are reasons for that, and they unfold in the film, and it's it's stunning. Now, Darren, you've been waiting to make this film for a long time, and uh, it, if it wasn't for this angel <laughs> being sent down from heaven, Brendan Fraser, it may still not have been made. That's absolutely true. Uh, I acquired the rights to it about 10 years ago, and uh, in all that time, I kept thinking about who could play this character, and nothing really got me out of bed until the idea of Brendan showed up, and uh, that, that's what got me psyched to make this. So we all thought the same thing, I think, when we watched it yesterday. Is it a true story? Um, I don't think it is, but it could be. Yeah, well, Sam Hunter, the, uh, the man who wrote the screenplay, based a lot of it uh, kind of on his personal experience, but then sort of expanded in many different ways. He was an English teacher. He did uh, struggle with some of the struggles that Charlie had. And then he turned it into uh, something totally different and beautiful, and it became its own thing. Are you surprised? What is your um, what is your response to the reaction to the movie thus far? It's been amazing. I have never had a movie that I've made that has emotionally affected so many people. I, I remember when I was a kid, films like The Champ and Kramer versus Kramer, all these movies, and people would brag how much they broke down and cried. And it's been a very long time since people have gone and, and had one of those really good cries, cries that is not just pure sadness, but there's a lot of Im- inspiration and hope. And that's what we want. We want people to come to the theater and cry together. Let's talk about that. I love that. Because going to the movie theater, it can be a safe cry. It can be a cry yeah. that we need to have, but yeah. we're not quite sure where we can have it. Yeah. And that's why the movies are amazing. Yeah. Um, Brendan, where where do you think people are crying most in this film? <laughs> <laughs> you mean in the film itself? No, well, no, when they watch the film. Because, you know, there are several, several sort of lacrimose jumping off points, aren't there? So many men I've spoken to 
to um, identify with wanting to reconnect with their child, in particular their daughter. And I, I hear that over and over again, how that's a real, a real marking point for them to see how this relationship is explored. And then there's also the young people. That's been, you know, Sadie Sink plays Brendan's uh, daughter and so many young people connect to it. And also, I think the film, it's not really a cynical film. It's a film that has a lot of pure honesty and a lot of young people are really identify it because the world hasn't crushed their spirits quite All right, yet. so we've talked around it. Can you just give us the, the elevator pitch of what, what happened so people know, because we've all seen it, so, right. so we, we've all been at the meeting. Right. So, so tell people that, sort of what happens in it. I, I, I'm terrible at that. It's, uh, Brendan, you got to... Sure. Well, Charlie has very little time, probably five days, and if that, and to redeem himself he needs to reconnect with his daughter we don't know if he's going to be able to do that his health is so so severely compromised given his large body that he can't leave the apartment his friend and caretaker played by hong chow who's brilliant outstanding she's someone who can say more in between lines of dialogue and just in the pauses and she should have had her she needs to have her own film made based on the character she played, Liz, in this film. Yeah, yeah. I digress. <laughs> um, she's put in a compromising position to be the one to bring him what he needs, which is the food that, that sustains him clearly. But because it's America, he normally eats from a gas station. If you yeah, get the and idea. there's lots and lots and Not lots very of healthy food. for him. Yeah. And she's conflicted because she's a healthcare worker. Yeah. And on top of that, she's also the last connection. He is the last connection to his late partner, her brother. Yeah. So th- they're 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 so intertwined with one another. It's it's really so well written. That that's what excited me for me as a writer who's done Black Swan and The Wrestler. I've never had a piece of material that's been this well written. And still, when I watch it, uh, and you watch these things hundreds of times as a filmmaker, I get insights into the language that I've never seen before. Uh, and so. It's, it's like when you go to see a great play in the theater and it slowly unpacks and your mind is almost like working through a murder mystery. This is not a murder mystery, but the way the characters reveal themselves is just constantly surprising and exciting. Great to meet you both. Thank you. Thanks for having You're us. You're awesome. Thank you very this much, sir. This is an sir. awesome piece of art. It's Thank you. really ridiculously good. Chris, I've been your fan since I would <laughs> work in... Uh, London since the late 90s when I was doing the Mummy movies and I would watch Big Breakfast and I just want to let you know that I think you're a really cool guy and thanks so much for having me on the show (laughs) you're welcome I didn't know any of that but I'll take it Brendan I'll take it we should hang out out. you're 54 aren't you I am you're 53 I, uh, I guess I am, yeah. I'm 56. See, we're, yeah, yeah. we're, we're peers. Gen X. This is it. This is what yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. The Whale is released in UK cinemas from Friday the 3rd of Feb. Um, you know, uh, you could miss it, but you shouldn't miss it. It's an amazing film. And once again, thank you to Brendan Fraser and Darren Aronofsky, who've been with us in person today, live at the top of the tower. Thanks, You're very welcome. Chris. Congratulations to all of you. Thank you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. She's a superstar of stage and screen who, it turns out, absolutely rocks a Liverpool accent. She scouses it right up in the new comedy The Family Pile on ITV1 at 9.30pm tomorrow. So please welcome the absolutely amazing, absurdly awesome actor Amanda Abington. All right, man. Hey. All right. Hey, how you doing? All right, our kid. How you doing? <laughs> oh, hey. I'm scared. Because of the accent? Yeah. 
See, now I... I don't want to offend anybody. Well, this is the thing. It's interesting, isn't it? Amanda Abington is in this brand new show called The Family Pile. The Family Pile, episode one, Tuesday, 17th of Jan, tomorrow, half past nine on ITV. It's a sitcom. It's it is a, a sitcom. It's a dramedy or a sitcom? It's a sitcom. It's a trad sitcom. It's like bread. It's like it's in the same kind of family orientated ver- like, uh, version. How of good bread. was bread, by the way? Amazing. How I'm not, big I'm not, was I'm not bread? comparing us to bread because that was kind of like a, you know, that was, but it's really, f- I laughed. When I read it, bread was massive. I forgot how I forgot that bread ever even existed. I loved bread. It was like fifteen Do you remember million. Remember Joey? Views. Everyone loved Joey. Everybody loved everybody. Yeah, in, uh, it was amazing. Mark Bosworth loved her. Yeah, unbelievable. See okay, you later. So, so you are. <laughs> so you, you're a scouser. Yeah. You're in a family of scousers. Yeah. It's four sisters. Four sissies. Four siblings. Yeah. Um, mum has just popped her clogs. Dad popped his clogs uh, a while back as well. Six yeah. months before yes. mum. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you pitch up. Other things are going on. Some of which we can't talk about on Breakfast yeah, Radio. No, some yeah. of which we can't talk about on Breakfast CG. Radio. <laughs> um, all very funny though. Yeah. Right. Take it away. Off you go. Uh, it's about four sisters. Yeah, and they come together, and their mother dies, and they have to divide up the house. And the other sisters are played by Ali Mardell, Claire Keelan, and Claire Calbraith, who are amazing. And it's just—it's a really—it's a really poignant, very funny uh, half an hour episodic uh, sitcom. And I loved doing it. It was really sweet, and it's well well written. Yeah, it's really well written. It's tight and it's bright, and it's got yeah. that whole step to and son thing of within yeah. these walls. Yes. So it doesn't have to go out the front door to be funny. We filmed it in a secondary school school hall. It, they made the house within the school. Wow. And yeah. I like it when really, they did that. It's great, and it was just one one set. It's like the royal family, though, isn't it? You know, you mm. know, if you can be funny uh, with people just sitting around talking, yeah. then you know you've got very clever writing on your yeah. hands. Well, that's what I look for when I when I when I go out for stuff. It's like character driven stuff. It's so, so much more interesting than plot. I think. Well, of course. Of course, the sissies have to differ enough for us to be interested. Yeah. And, and they, they do. do. Yeah. Off you yeah. go. And I'm the oldest. Yep. And then it goes down and then there's an adopted, uh, a half-sister played by Ali. And uh, we all are at each other's throats. But then when anyone else comes in outside who has a go at us, we, we form an alliance That's and we, it. we look after See, each other. See, we've all been on the wrong end of that, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. When couples rule and divide you mm. when they're not with their partner. Yeah. And then you back them up in front of their partner and they slap you down. Yeah. For backing yeah. them up. Yeah, we're weird, aren't we, humans? We are very strange. What have we learned? <laughs> nothing. If, if we've, learned, we've learned nothing. Okay, um, <laughs> and there are younger members of the cast involved yes, as well? Yes, yeah. Um, so we, I've got a son who never appears. Oh, uh, I like that. And, and another, another little, an, a younger son, and, um, and a husband who is very needy and lovely and gorgeous, um, but is a bit annoying. Um <laughs> And uh, there's a all, all the men in it, which which is quite funny, are quite uh, they're, they're they're quite interestingly drawn, and it's the women that drive the show, yeah. Which I really love, you know. It's like and they're, and they're not, you know, we're all kind of different ages and stuff. So it's really it's a really interesting um, dynamic that the women drive the show and the men kind of just facilitate the women, which yeah, is and, nice. Um, the first kid that we see in it, he's he's. Um, he's sort of in the middle of a sponsored silence, yes. which makes yeah, it Yeah, and he's really, really trying to not to speak. <laughs> makes it really funny. Yeah. And, it, and then we have, like, because we're trying to sell the house. Because I, I thought he was challenged by a condition. I didn't no, know. Yeah. I, and you think, oh, no, he's just, oh, he's just smart. Oh, I see, he's yeah. just trying to raise money. Yeah, and it's really funny. And he try, and then he, he at the end of the episode, he he blows it which is quite interesting it's quite funny the way he does it but it's and it's just about love and it's about family relationships and and how we all come together and then dissipate when when things happen and and have you done a sitcom before I did a thing called After You've Gone with Celia Imrie and Nicholas Lindhurst which was lovely yeah but I love doing comedy I think comedy's harder than drama 
because I think you have to have funny bones and not everybody has funny bones. So it, do, it, it does feel a lot more... Tr- I mean, I'm in a play at the moment and it's, it's a farce and... It's, it's. I mean, it's supposed to be a farce, everyone, just so you know. Yes, no, it's not describing her working conditions. It's not Chicago. I mean, yeah, it's, I see, it's a complete yeah. farce. <laughs> it's a complete, honestly, it's a shambles. <laughs> yes. No, we did our first preview last night and, and uh, it, it was well, very well received. But comedy is very difficult, I think. It's very difficult to do. Why don't we just plug the play while we're at it? Because we're on it. Can we? Yeah, come on, let's do it. It's called The Unfriend and it's at the Criterion Theatre. The Criterion Theatre. The Criterion Theatre. And you had a preview on a Sunday night. Sunday matinee, yeah. Sunday they matinee. went nuts, Chris. Yeah, they loved it, which what, is which bodes well. What did well. they like about it? What do you think landed well? What are you getting right that you could oh so easily get wrong? The comedy, honestly. And I've got Reese Shearsmith in it and Francis Barber, so they're just they're they're really clever. And Mark Gatiss directed it, and uh, Stephen very, Moffitt, Stephen great. Moffat wrote it. Oh, oh wow! So oh. it's a pedigree of people. Yeah. Oh my goodness me! You can only mess it up, can't you? I suppose. Exactly. And I probably will, Chris. <laughs> I do, usually do. I, at some point, I fall down. You're so busy. I it's was, nice, isn't I was, it? Yeah, I was thinking because because you don't usually see in a sitcom. So I watched it yesterday. Yeah. And you did know, you like it? I loved it. Did no, you? I really loved it. Yeah, it's because it's tight, man. Yeah. It's tight. I didn't know as. As each, as each um, sort of subsequent sibling entered the scene, yeah. I didn't know that there was another sister, oh, another sister, and then you're all sisters. Yeah, it tops itself, doesn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely. Quite nice. yeah. And I love the fact it has the confidence of being within these walls, because mm. that's the real deal, isn't it? Yeah, it's like uh, a little kitchen sink comedy. Do you, when you're picking parts or being offered, you're in a very fortuitous position to be offered parts mm. as, a, as a working actor, mm. uh, more often than not, I imagine, although I've never... No, I still that. have to audition and I still get turned down and I still get really angry and cross about it. <laughs> this is what you want to know. Good. Thank, always, by the way, thank yeah. you for sharing. I will, yeah, when I don't get a part, I am livid. Yeah, we really had, upset. We had someone in uh, before Christmas. I can't remember who it was. Bloke, actor. Uh, he's in a massive film at the moment. Mm. And I, I said, so, so, you know, you must be, you know, fighting off the, from the door. Yeah. And he says, I haven't had a call since. And this film was like massive. Yeah, I can't remember. Right. Tough, but man. that's the nature of this industry. You know, you can you know you can be really well known and still have to audition and still get turned down. <laughs> Amanda Rabington is in the family pile. It's on ITV. You're wonderful. We love you. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, and it starts tomorrow at half past nine on ITV One. And the other thing at the Criterion is the Unfriend. Go and see the Unfriend. Previews till Wednesday. Starts in earnest. What do, you, what do you call it? Opening night, critics night, press night, press night. There you go. Press night. So not so that's not opening night, or is that opening night? Well, it's well? the same thing. Is press it? night, opening night. We previews. You can change stuff yeah, up to the press night. You start changing stuff and just and fine tuning, and then press night. It's locked in. If you had to vote a member of the cast off before press night, who would you vote? Me. Okay, good, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. He is scrummy, and he's chummy, and he's really rather yummy. He's the former rugby superstar drop kicking into a theatre near you with his new tour, Sex, Tries and Videotape, throughout March and April. So please welcome a bit of a rascal. It's James Haskell. James Haskell. Hello, James Haskell. How are you all? Very well. How are you? Very well. Delightful. Happy New Year, pal. Thank you. Just come a little bit closer to that microphone oh, if sorry. you don't mind. Um, so you're going on tour, you rascal, Haskell. Uh, James Haskell, Sex Tries and Videotape. And this is a 15-day tour as it stands now. Uh, that tour could be extended. Go for tickets to myticket.co.uk. Kicks off in March. How along the line, how far down the line are you with what the show is? So I'm, I'm writing at the moment. Um, 
Um, obviously, some of the stories were kind of pre-made, and and I've and I've told I haven't told a lot of them before, and I kind of just padded them out a little bit because because <laughs> some of them have been a little bit controversial. And in the current climate of 2023, we're only a few weeks into it. You've got to be very careful because I'd like to continue the tour. I don't want to get cancelled halfway through the tour. So it's right. an, it's a, you know, and also the title slightly punchy as well. Are you cancelable? Oh yeah, I've been cancelled five times. No, but that's that means you're not though, doesn't it? That's water well, of ducks back. I, in, yes, I think it is water of ducks back. But the, my crimes, I think you know, unless you do something quite severe these days. Right. Um, you can get cancelled for, for quite obvious things. Well, not obvious things. Anyone's offended these days. People are perpetually offended, right? So the threshold for getting cancelled is pretty low. You can just, someone doesn't like your opinion and get cancelled. So actually, the things I've been cancelled for weren't that bad. But cancelled usually, it's not postponed, it's cancelled. Yes. Uh, but you're still here. But I'm like a cat. That's what I'm saying. I've got, I've got four lives left. No, I just because I keep coming and reinventing myself. Do you know what I mean? I'm, you know, one minute I'm a DJ, next minute I'm a, uh, uh, you know, a, a tour, a sort of stand-up comedian, whatever it might be. See, because lots of rugby players, and I've seen this, you know, whether it's at lunch at Twickenham or post-lunch before a big match, they do a Q&A, they tell a few stories after dinner, speaking things like it's been going on for years. And if you get the right person in the right room at the right time, it can be a, a proper who, can't it? You know. Um, Again, the less these things are filmed, uh, the more yes. fun they are. 100%. So I start every single talk that I do, and, I, and, and you know, 90% of my kind of earnings from, is doing for after dinner, corporate speaking, um, and going on telling stories and stuff, because I've had an interesting career, you know. Uh, and I'm, and I div- I've read the book. You've read the book, yeah. Yes. I divide opinion. Um, you know, people sort of equally hate me and like me in, in, the, same, in the same way. I got to play around the world. Um, I've not been short of, you know, of coming forward. So, but the one thing I always say is please don't film it, because ultimately, if you enjoy entertainment, it's meant to be take, you know, um, kept in the room. And Jimmy Carr was a guy that I interviewed for a podcast once, and I said, are you concerned about cancel culture? Because he's quite controversial. And he said, everything I've ever said that was going to get me cancelled. I've already, I've already said it. However, even he, you know, got into some hot water because people take out of context comments that are meant for an audience that are engaged and are very comfortable with what's yeah, being yeah. said and put it into an environment they're not. So it's very hard. So as you say, you're preparing this at the moment. Yes. You know, are you bearing that in mind? Because if you know, if you sort of, if you, if you pre-insulate yourself against um, sort of any pitfalls, you can then go on there with more confidence and more fluidity and more flow and the show will be better for it. Yes. I mean, look, that would be the sensible thing. I'm just going to go out there, pull a pen out of a grenade and just and just go out there and tell it how it is and make everyone try and make everyone laugh and be and be honest <laughs> and tell and tell the truth you know and with the warning that you know if most people laugh then you know they're as complicit as I am so if I say something rude and you laugh it's your problem as well so we're all guilty together but if you go for the laugh yes you don't get the laugh very true very true but I think by the very nature of some of the stories you know naked calendars in Paris um, the very fact the title of sex tries videotapes when I made my England debut I won't spoil it. There was three sets of headlines, right? This should be the proudest moment of your life. Your mum and dad are there looking at you going, son, I, lo- I love you. This is so, you know, so amazing. You open the papers. What's been said? The first one was, um, let's get ready for the sex nations, right? Not ideal. Right. Six nations, yeah, sex nations. Yeah. Next one was sex tries and videotapes. Okay, disappointing. And it's all down to you. These. All down to down to me. And, and the last one was yes. England call up for Haskell with peeping Tom past. Right. So yeah, we're so proud of our, our boy. That's what I mean. And my mum's like, my mum's going, yeah, I love you, and obviously perpetually disappointed. Whereas a lot of my teammates have that amazing moment. So I've started, I started badly, <laughs> I finished badly, but there's a lot of fun in the middle. Uh, Neil in Cheshire, loads of texts from you about you, James. Morning, Chris. Fascinating listeners, James speaking about Eddie Jones this morning. We've got Six Nations tickets for next month and can't wait. How do you feel nowadays ahead of the Six Nations? What kind of excitement do you enjoy now how is it different to 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 the most butterflies you've ever felt in your life look i i especially in regards to my rugby career i I, when i finished and retired 
I sort of squeezed all the juice I could out of that. And so I fit, sort of locked that away. You know, I'd go, I'd done that, and I moved on to kind of the DJing and the, and, and the writing and whatever. So it took me a while to get back to it because I wasn't that interested. Purely not because I wasn't, I didn't care about it, but because I'd done everything I could do. Now I'm back into it as a fan. You know, I know some of the players still. I'm removed a little bit about it. For this Six Nations, we've got a New England coach, Steve Borthwick, who I played with, I think is utterly brilliant. I think the Six Nations is the premier rugby tournament in the world. All those old rivalries, you know, it's it's so for me. I now enjoy it as a as a, as a fan, and I, and I have the real emotion. I'd say the only time I still get a little bit of butterflies when you walk down to the side of the Twickenham pitch, you smell the freshly cut grass, the smell of fried onions, the music, the crowd, the dim the lights, the fireworks go off. You're like, wow, I'd love to be out there. But up to that point, I'm, I'm pretty relaxed and love a, you know have a drink. It's all about the car park beforehand. All isn't about it? the car park. Yeah, if people yeah. who've never been to international rugby, the car park is where it's at. It's a sea of red trousers and barbers. Yeah. As far as the eye and, can and, see, and sort of and um, a lot of alcohol, tapped, yeah. Yeah. tapped <laughs> barrels of real ale. Yeah. And you oh. asked me what was going on in the world of sport. Well, yeah. Eddie Jones, the former England coach, this week has just signed to become coach of Australia, and there's a World Cup happening this year. And you just you know what's going to happen. That's what I was hoping you yeah. were going to say ahead yes. of James being on the show, and you went off on this NFL thing so, that nobody cared about. But, but anyway, it's bizarre. So basically, so Eddie Jones obviously got fired nine months out from the tournament. I, I think wrong. I think wrongly, but. Steve Borthwick is the best possible replacement. And so it was a weird, it was sort of a double-edged sword. I was sad for Eddie because, you know, I think he's brilliant, but I'm also super excited for, for Steve. So that sort of cushioned the blow. But they didn't put a no-compete clause in Eddie Jones's contract. And so he's got the best win record of any coach at a World Cup, 90%. He's a proper World Cup animal. So the day that he got fired, you, you know Australia called him up. England, fingers crossed, should get to the quarterfinals with this squad and with Steve Borthwick. You know they're going to face Australia potentially. It's going to go to 75 minutes. Eddie Jones pulls out a, you know, a drop, goal, drop goal play and steals it away from England. Or Steve Borthwick is a mastermind <laughs> and we win. That's the nature of sport, isn't it? It's mad. But Eddie Jones win-win because uh, he's such a nice guy and good things happen to good mm. people. If you want to be a good person, if you want to have a good day, be a good person. If you want to be a good person, do good things. Crack on. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. All right, we've heard from a top-notch, tastic bunch of guests already, but still to come. Food guru Dr. Rupi Orjla whips up a storm with his brand-new cookbook, Dr. Rupi Cooks. And sleep specialist Professor Russell Foster helps us rethink our body clock with his brilliant book, Lifetime, the new science of the body clock and how it can revolutionise your sleep and health. So let's get right back to it, Vassos. Who's next? If there's one thing a brekkie show needs, it's a super smart scientist with sleeping suggestions. The brilliant Lifetime, the new science of the body clock and how it can revolutionise your sleep and health is out now in paperback. So let's all say, hit me with your circadian rhythm stick to Professor, <laughs> Professor Russell, Russell Foster. Foster. <laughs> Russell, welcome back to the show. How are you, pal? I'm great. Good to be back, Chris. Thank you. All right. This is all about when we should do things, um, you know, in the day, in the 24 hours of each day, according to how nature program does and why it does up and down and around. And we're talking about sleep and we're talking about um, food and we're talking about drink and we're talking about exercise, we're talking about fun and we're talking about focus. Uh, and you can evince all this, the importance of this, with some communication that you brought in with you. Does Vass have that or do you have that? Uh, Vass has got that. Okay. I've got that. This is an email. Okay, that listen to this. Russell received after he was last on the show. Dear Professor Foster, I just wanted to say a very quick thank you. I caught your interview with Chris Evans.
questions. Only the last few minutes, but you mentioned how sperm quality was improved in the morning compared to the evening. After two years of trying, we were ready to try anything. Being medics, we thought we'd tried it all, but I'd never considered the impact of circadian rhythm. Well, in short, it worked. First time since switching to morning, so I just wanted to say thank you. Wow. Well done. Well done, Russell. I mean, do you, get, do you get many emails like that? I get a lot. It's fantastic. It, it's, it's, it's been really wonderful because so many people have had a positive response to the book. And they've, and they've uh, across the spectrum, health. I mean, one of the great things is that they've included a lot of the original data. And what people have liked is going to the original science. And, I, and one person wrote to me and said, you know, my husband didn't believe any of this. And then I said, go to the paper. And he came back and said, oh my Goodness, you're right. So that's been the joy. You know, people have engaged in the science. Well, the paper books. Uh, the, sorry, the paperback of the book is out now. I read the hardback um, last time around before you came in, and I reread it again this weekend. And it just gets better and better and more fascinating each time you read it. So it's it's um, it's not a particularly big book, and once again, you know, as people always do, who really know their onions, um, they have made you've made this so simple for us. Muppets to understand. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Um, what can we do in, in the next 15 minutes? What's the best thing we can do with our time to get people to, to get this book in their lives and just have it around for the kids and just just have it. It's one of these books that you just have in around your house, for, literally for the rest of you and your family's lives. Um, do we go to sleep first or food first? Get, just give us some greatest hits from this book. I think we're all facing, you know, the winter. Um, there's less light. We're recovering from Christmas. You know, we've We've spent too much, we may have drunk too much, and our body clocks may be a bit out of kilter. And so the first thing I would recommend is getting out in the morning, getting that light, which will set the body clock, which will then set the sleep-wake cycle. There's a paper published a few years ago suggesting that dog owners have better sleep. And you think, well, what the heck does that mean? Is it just a companion animal? No, it's not. It's the fact that you've got to get up, get out, take the dog out for a walk, and that's when you get your morning light. So that's, that's one critical thing. The other thing is, I guess, is, is, is setting some boundaries. How do you define your work-life balance? And I know we hear a lot about it, but now's a good time to make sure that your work is not overly intruding on your, your, your spare time and your private time and 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 that doesn't then erode from from your sleep so you know it's defending your sleep it's working out how much sleep that you need and you know one of the things that 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 I got quite frustrated about is the sort of sergeant majors screaming you must do this you must get eight hours that's not the case we you know eight hours is an average some people can get by with six hours some people may need ten and it's defining what works for you and then developing a regime that you can then defend embracing your sleep embracing your circadian rhythms no i get it completely we often play this game on and off the air especially with our kids you know that fantastic question if you could have one superpower what would it be mm. you know and um, my first one ever ever was uh, i want to live forever because i love being alive i don't, I don't not want to be here and yeah. then my second one was i'd love to be in anybody else's head for five seconds um, whenever I wanted to, because I think that would be fascinating. It'd be like, oh my goodness, but it's so different. Oh, thank God, it's just the same. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but my, what I would really genuinely wish for now is a superpower that many people already have, which is being able to sleep well. Yeah, it's the best cognitive enhancer we get, you know, we've got. And, and embracing that means our memory will be better, yeah. our ability to solve problems. I mean, that's the, the most extraordinary thing. You know, our grandparents probably said, oh, sleeping on it. Now we know that a night of sleep could actually help you solve problems. 
I think that's so cool. But the rest of the world wants us to stay awake because we can't spend money when we're asleep, for example. Yeah, um, but, the, but the problem is all of those superpowers that make us this unique creature of, of a sense of humour, of empathy, all the wonderful things that we associate with humanity are actually eroded if we don't get the sleep that we need. Um, what has been the one thing since the publication of your number one best-selling book, <laughs> Lifetime, uh, that the, the, the people talk about? What is the one thing? That so many people have written saying, I don't understand why every GP in the country doesn't know this oh, stuff. No. And, and at least there's not one lesson a month at school. Yeah, there's nothing in our schools. So and so, uh, so, So what we're doing, though, with the book, and part of the reason for writing it is, is in a sense, empowering individuals so we can get this information out there. Yeah. And and that's been the thrill for me, that so many people have thought, oh, my God, you know, this is brilliant. This is I, I now understand why. And I think it's the, the combination of the science with the practical application, which I'm so thrilled about. And I'm in no way suggesting you're in your final furlong of your life or your career, but is this your life's work, do you think? Um, I've got a few other ideas, but what we've got is this, this spin-out. Based upon, you know, 30, 40 years of science, we're now developing drugs that will fool the clock that it's seen light. Why is that important? If you don't have eyes, then you drift through time forever. So I'm working with Blind Veterans UK, these extraordinary individuals who've lost their ability to regulate their, their clocks. And so if I can spend the last gasp of my career giving back a sense of time to those individuals... I'll be. I'll, I'll, I'll leave the planet happily. You're a good man, Russell Foster. Thanks for coming here again. <laughs> Great pleasure. Thank You're you, Chris. You're always welcome. This book is amazing. It's out in paperback now. Lifetime, the new science of the body clock and how it can revolutionise your sleep and your health. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's a doctor. He's a cook. He's a well-being miracle worker on one hell of a casserole. He's blended his passions once again to make your mealtimes healthier and tastier. His latest cookbook, Dr. Rupi Cooks, is out tomorrow. So please welcome the dishy, delicious Dr. Rupi Orgula. Good morning, Rupi. Morning. What an intro. So wow. you wonder in smiling, beaming, you know, sort of effervescing and emanating health personified. And you say to me, you look well. And I say, you look really well. You know, as a doctor, is it often about simply as much as how people look? Yeah, you know, it can give a window into how someone is eating, sleeping, you know, we wear our stresses on our face. Right. Um, and we wear it in our posture and, and how we act. And I think it's easy to, to change that as well using simple habit steps, steps to, to better habits. So, yeah, uh, I, I think it's... Um, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm flattered that you think I look so well. He does that well, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am on a, a bit of a PR trail right now and I'm writing articles and I'm, you know, burning the candle at both You've ends. got to be careful, haven't you? Especially on the telly, doctors. Yeah. We talked to Rangan about this quite a lot. Yeah. You know, if he's if in the middle of a, you know, a pretty, pretty heavy PR schedule, he... You can't go on telly looking not that well yeah. because you're yeah, like, hey, yeah. well, this is this is how to to live and feel better. This is how to to cook on gas in all aspects and even in the kitchen. Yeah. And you've got to sort of um, live it to give it. Absolutely, and I think for me, I, I'm lucky in that over years of honing my own skills and keeping myself healthy, 
a lot of those things become automatic for me. Right. So for me, as an example this morning, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've already done 15 minutes of meditation. I've already worked out for 25 minutes. I've already done my affirmations. I've done my gratitude journal. And I've, uh, I haven't eaten. I'm actually fasting at the moment up until later on this mid-morning. So for, for me, those actions just become automatic. Yeah. But that's, you know, I'm not insisting that people do that every single day. That, that's me over 15 years of doing this time and time again and building that stack of habits that have, have put me in good stead. Yeah, it's stead. foundations, isn't it? It's roots. Yeah. You know, Tash and I talk about this. My wife and I talk about this all the time. It feels just much more, not only rooted and stable, but deeply rooted and deeply stable. Things are still here to challenges that's called life yes but you just feel you have a firmer foundation and um, with which to a see these coming in the first place because you've got the right view and then letting them arrive allowing them radically accepting them and then often letting them you know they say let life take care of life let the dead bury the dead you know often if you just leave things alone we think we often i think we convince ourselves we have far more agency over our daily existence than we really do. Yeah. And that's a waste of energy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's also the response to the daily stresses of life as well. So when I, I'm talking to you about, you know, the, this PR trail and the work I'm doing for the book and all the other things that I'm doing uh, and spinning plates, I lean into that stress yeah. and I use it to energize me rather than allowing it to break me down, um, which is perhaps why I look so beaming and bright <laughs> at the moment because I'm like, I am so grateful for all these different opportunities and the fact that I can influence thousands, if not millions of people through the food I cook, through my own actions and habits and also the stuff I put out on the podcast and app and all the rest of it and, and cookbooks, obviously. So, yeah. you know, I'm just leaning into it and loving every moment. Right, we'll get into the book in a second or two. I just want to sort of, um, I just want to make the most of you while you're here in every yeah. single aspect as, as we can. It's funny because there's that phrase, isn't there? If you want something doing, ask a busy person, right? So what does that mean? You know, and I was learning stuff yesterday. Vas and I have talked about this and you talk about leaning into those stressful situations and gaining energy from them. So we have, you know, we know that we need sleep. We know we that we need to hydrate we know that we need to have the right nourishment the right nutrition we know all that and that is a fuel of sorts but actually our energy is we're power stations aren't we and we wake up every day um you know once you caught on to the fact once you look over the garden fence and you realize that you don't wake up with an amount of energy that then depletes during the day you wake up with a base of energy that you can increase and multiply as the day goes on because this is about epinephrine it's about neuro energy isn't it because mm. that's the real that's why if you if you exercise you end up with more energy at the end of it than you do before it. Can you talk about that it's for a, a bit? Curi it's a curious um, mechanism because you would, if I was to describe to you what happens when you exercise, yeah. your blood pressure goes up, uh -huh. sugar is dumped into your bloodstream, mm -hmm. you're shearing your muscles, you're actually causing damage to multiple different cells. You would never exercise ever again. But what happens over time is that your body builds resilience. So it strengthens those muscle fibers in repair and it causes hypertrophy and improvement of the muscle itself. When you are looking at the blood sugar, actually what happens is by increasing the muscle resilience, you're actually creating a better reservoir for sugar. So you're more resilient to sugars that you might have in your diet. And also when it comes to inflammation, what happens during exercise is 
pro-inflammatory, over time, you become more resilient to inflammation. So it's actually anti-inflammatory over, over a longer period of time. So that is like a, a lovely analogy I find for like how we should be leaning to things that cause us a little amount of stress. That dose of stress has to be in that midpoint, that Goldilocks zone for it to actually have benefits further down the line. Listen, we're out of time. We're over time. Dr. Rupi and Julia. The Doctor's Kitchen um, cooks healthy, easy flavour. Lock the doors. Don't let him go. Uh, can he do breakfast for us every day? That's what <laughs> <laughs> I know he's freshly hash. married, but, you know, he's got the rest of his life to be married. Uh, thanks, Rupi. You're awesome. Thank you, mate. You I are the best. It. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.